It's okay. I'm gonna do all my exercises. Okay, that's it. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is August twentieth, twenty twenty-one. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Andrew Nasri, and I'm Summer Lee. Hi, Andra. Hello, Summer. You're How back. Goes it? it goes. It goes. How goes it for you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, a lot of uh, good things happening in my life, but let's not forget um, over there in Afghanistan. All the harrowing mm. stories coming out of there. Um, it does mm-hmm. put a lot of things in perspective, and um, it does make a lot of things sound frivolous. So, mm. uh, but we do, like you know, life goes on here, and um, our thoughts are with the people over there. Absolutely, and yeah, I did see uh, this very uplifting piece of news where this um, meme artist he raised freaking two million USD to kind of fund flights. For people fleeing um, Afghanistan, so that sounds good. And now the the GoFundMe is kind of at five million six hundred seventy nine thousand and seven hundred ten USD. So that's real nice. So that's double the target already. Mm-hmm. So um, they're just going to use all the funds to you know fund more trips to and from um, the area, which is nice. So yeah, you know people do care. Um, I speak for a lot of us that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we do want the best for everybody in the whole world, but you know, because of you know politics and all that, that's not always possible. And you know, yeah. the whole world is healing from COVID, hopefully, and hopefully we can also heal from all this nonsense war. Mm-hmm. just a freaking stock reminder that you know humans are capable of a lack of humanity in it yeah ironic but true mm-hmm. advertise with our in-house agency grow fast funny digital join forces with us to slay buzzwords rise above the noise and sow the seeds of something great get in touch via coconuts.co slash growth And for our top stories of the week, we first go over to Bali, Woo. where, you know, COVID-19 is still a huge problem in the Paradise Island, so much so that a uh, leading authority on Hinduism, the PhDI, is urging families to skip funeral rites, like traditional ones, you know, for COVID-19 victims as Bali morgues fill up. So the Parasada Hindu Dharma Indonesia, or the PHDI, are appealing to relatives of deceased COVID-19 patients in Bali to forego traditional funeral and um, cremation rites for the loved ones because, you know, morgues on the island are struggling with overcapacity. And to quote their chairman, E. Gusti Sudiana, he said, Lately in Bali, there have been a spike in COVID-19 infections, as well as many dying in hospitals. So then morgues on the island are full and unable to receive more bodies amid a low turnover rate. Many bodies are remaining at morgues for prolonged periods for traditional Hindu funeral prep. Oof. The PHDI has urged the Bali provincial government to limit the transit period of deceased patients, COVID-19 patients that is, at morgues, to just two days to prevent further pileup. It's also asking families to allow funerals or cremations of their loved ones to be immediately handled by health workers with COVID-19 protocols in place. And that, you know, that is in line with a lot of the harrowing stories coming out of uh, this whole pandemic. You know, people unable to send off um, their loved ones as they, as they would want to. Mm-hmm. So in Bali, a lot of Hindus, you know, well, for their funerals, they, it, it involves like this really elaborate traditional rite involving like animal statues, and then they set them on fire along with the body. And none of that is possible now because, you know, there's just unfortunately no place to store the bodies in order to fully prepare for these elaborate traditions. Which is really mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. Just for just as an example, the Wangaya General Hospital in Denpasar last week 
report reported that its 31 capacity morgue held 71 dead bodies at one point, forcing them to turn away around half a dozen more each day. Though the government says Indonesia has passed its COVID-19 peak, Bali continues to steadily record high numbers daily. Just um, on August 15, the province recorded 1,071 new cases and 43 fatalities, bringing the total to 96,000 cases and 2,700 deaths. Oh man, that's a whole lot. And that's just in one island. <laughs> oh my Out of God. Thousands. Oof, here's to hoping things get better. Damn. And over in Bangkok, Thai police deny shooting protesters with live bullets after a man was shot in the neck. Huh? So the Metropolitan Police uh, Bureau this week issued a statement saying that they did not use live bullets to control the protesters. Only rubber bullets. Um, one of the viral videos uh, showed a police officer lurking around the Dindang police station before shooting at the protesters. So I don't know how do we guarantee those aren't live bullets, but okay, what do I know? So one of the victims, whose name is yet to be identified, was shot in the back of the neck and was later taken to Rachawiti Hospital. And rumors about the man's death were rife before the hospital director, Somkyat Lalit Wongsa, quashed it, saying that the man did not die but was under critical injury. Okay. From live bullets, maybe? Uh-uh, <laughs> yeah, but of course, um, the hashtag police kill people has become a trending hashtag online with netizens calling on the police to be held accountable. Human rights activists uh, cited the United Nations guidelines specifying that less lethal weapons such as rubber bullets should not be used to target the head, face or neck. And yet a dude was shot in the neck. Make it make sense. And yet another case of the police saying they didn't do a thing when they did the thing. And the thing was caught on camera. So like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do it in Singapore, but here in Indonesia, if you're the police and you want to shut someone up for maybe trying to tell the truth, you just got to threaten them with, you know, mm -hmm. like defamation laws or spreading hoaxes. And I imagine, Shit. I imagine Thailand is probably the same way. So we'll see how this goes. Mm. Yeah, man. Shit. And over in Hong Kong, a man was arrested 38 years after allegedly raping now deceased preteen <gasps> at Twin Estate. What a prick. Mm -hmm. Police have arrested a man suspected of raping a preteen girl at Twin Moon Housing Estate in 1983. The 13-year-old victim is no longer alive today. Wong, who's 58, will appear in court next week over one count of rape and one count of burglary. According to HKO1, the breakthrough on the 38-year-old case came when police officers were on patrol in Suan Wan Sunday. Finding Wong's behavior suspicious, they stepped forward and conducted an identity check. They arrested mm. him upon realizing that he's wanted over a decades-old rape case. How does he stay hidden that long? Police mm -hmm. said in a statement that Wong is suspected of stealing 160 Hong Kong dollars, which is equivalent to 20 US dollars, from a flattened Sunfat estate, which was torn down in 2002 in Tuen Moon on January 21st, 1983, and raping a 13-year-old. The preteen girl has since passed away, and um, Wong was 20 years old at the time of the alleged offense. A barrister told HKO1 that there's no statute of limitations for bringing prosecution in Hong Kong courts for criminal cases, especially with more serious charges such as rape and murder. But the long window that has since passed could affect whether the accused would be found guilty due to factors like changed testimonies and difficulty in collecting evidence. Jail him. Jail him. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, but that's like kind of lucky though. I mean, like he was just minding his business or actually not really because he was acting suspicious and the police were like, we're going to check this dude. And then like, what are the freaking chances that, you know, you realize that this dude is wanted over a decades old rape case? Piece of shit, by the way, but oh damn, that's lucky. I'm interested to know how they determine that. Like he must look really different from 
Yeah. 1983. Uh, I don't know what he did that was so suspicious, but now I'm kind of curious. But yeah, rotten hell, bastard. This is really intriguing. Um, I'm looking forward to the Netflix documentary on this. Oof. Over in Jakarta, authorities are on the hunt for the artist behind Jokowi 404 not found graffiti in Tangerang. Um, So police in Tangerang City, Banten, have questioned witnesses regarding a graffiti in which, depending on your outlook, painted President Joko Widodo in either a satirical or in a negative light. Ooh, it's up to interpretation. But yes, the the graffiti... There's no right or wrong, unless there is. But yes, the graffiti found on a wall under the airport train railway bridge in Batuchepur district depicted Jokowi's face, but with a red bar covering his eyes and the text 404, not found, written on it. So photos of the artwork circulated widely on the internet, inspiring netizens to trend the hashtag Jokowi404, not found, on Twitter. Oof. For the non-techies, what does that mean, 404, not found? It Um, doesn't exist, right? Yeah, I guess. So... Basically, they're saying he's... He's... Gone MIA. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's a powerful piece of art there. True that, true that. So while most Indonesians only recently learned about the piece of art, if you will, uh, local residents actually said that it had appeared around two or three months ago. So Batu Chepper sub-precinct chief David Perba said that the police have questioned two witnesses as they seek to identify the graffiti artist. But yes, the graffiti itself was blacked out with paint by authorities, so no chance of going to see it if you wanted to. Um, On the other... I know, right? Could have been a real tourist hotspot, you know, if there are even tourists right now. Oof. (laughs) But yes, on the other hand, Tangerang City Metro Police spokesman Abdul Rachim said that authorities had to paint over the mural as it closely resembled Jokowi as someone who should be revered in the country. Interesting. I mean, are there laws protecting uh, politicians against this kind of stuff, do you think? Heads of state, yeah. Oh, okay. So we're not meant to um, <clears throat> denigrate them in any way. But, you know, with with graffiti like this, a lot of it's open to interpretation. So they've taken the stance that it is problematic. Oof. Authorities do that. What happened to the phrase, art is never right or wrong? Mm. Art is just art, may I add. (laughs) From the ridiculous to the adorable, we move on to KL, where Malaysia's royal palace cat becomes distraction that we all need amid a leadership crisis. So in the middle of everything that's going on in Malaysian politics, a cat has managed to grab the country's attention from outside the royal palace. The white and beige feline was captured in a viral video distracting some security officers stationed at one of the gates at the royal palace, looking for attention and pets while the the rest of Malaysia waited for updates on the country's leadership as political leaders streamed in and out of the premises. It's such a simple life this cat leads. Mm -hmm. Looking for attention and pets and, you know, maybe poop in the sand back there. Ah, damn it. Oh, to be a cat. The minute-long video of the cat has been viewed more than 100,000 times since it surfaced online this week by Twitter user Nicole Covid. What a oh, name. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's so um, affected by the pandemic that became his Twitter handle. It's been a lot of reaction online uh, to the uh, heartwarming video, of course, with uh, you know memes and GIFs. Are you team GIF or GIF? How dare you, it's GIF. I know the, the, the guy who created uh, created it said it was GIF, but what does he know, you know? Yeah, it's the people's property now. So mm-hmm. I'm with you, I say GIF. <laughs> anyway, this brought joy to my evil shriveled heart, one commenter <laughs> said, together with a GIF of Esma from the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I know that guy. Uh, good times. Is it a crime to be adorable? Someone jokingly asked whether the cat would get fined for obstructing an officer. <laughs> Can this cat be fined? Obstruct- obstructing officers on duty slash teasing slash licking. What else? There are many offenses here, Twitter user 
Mastura Jojo said that almost went into um, R rated territory that handle. <laughs> Very important. So, questions. yeah, it's so, uh, you know, things are really getting desperate politically in Malaysia that they're, they're talking about a single cat. Mm hmm. <sighs> Malaysia is on its hunt for the next prime minister after Muhyiddin Yassin resigned this week. Over in Manila, 32 Filipinos were evacuated from Afghanistan with more on the way. Oof. So I guess uh, we all know by now um, about the situation that has taken over Kabul. The situation in question is the freaking Taliban. So like they're freaking back. And the US has left the premises. So yeah. It's a whole shitstorm right now. So the Department of Foreign Affairs, you, who you might know as the DFA, released an advisory announcing the evacuation and repatriation of Filipinos left in Kabul, even as international news outlets have also reported that the Taliban has taken over the capital. So the department and its foreign service posts in the region and beyond are exploring all avenues of cooperation and are closely coordinating with governments and international partners to guarantee the immediate and safe passage according to the advisory. And there are a total of 130 Filipinos in Afghanistan according to DFA figures. So an alert of level four has been raised over the country, calling for the mandatory and immediate repatriation of all Philippine nationals. But yeah, some crazy shit going on right now. And oh my gosh, so I don't even know. They get back home safely. Absolutely. Um, for a lot of Afghanistan's fleeing. Uh, the Taliban, that they find new homes elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You've seen the video of how desperate people were to you know, scramble onto that plane. Oh, yeah. Some scary and, shit. Uh, oh, my goodness. That's <sighs> it's one of the worst viral videos ever. But on the other side of it, did you see the um, the Taliban occupying like the state palace or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. And working out at a gym. Oh, yeah. And a whole bunch of them uh, with their freaking rifles going on bumper car rides. What? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just scared for, you know, for those uh, new gym goers that the way they're lifting, you know, break their backs. Oh, Lord. Terrible form. Over in Singapore, one dot at a time, Braille team keeps Singapore sightless in the loop. Oh. Cooped up in a cozy office deep in Topayo is a close-knit team keeping Singaporeans educated, informed, and entertained in Braille. Converting one textbook at the Braille Production Center can take months, even with the help of a bulking machine that costs tens of thousands of dollars. And translating a dictionary, that request was a first, and one that might take too much precious time. Inside the Singapore Association of the Visually Handicapped, five of the eight strong team are visually impaired, including head Edwin Koh, Braille transcriber Jason Setok, and librarian Kelvin Tan, and rely on touch and sound and gadgets like Braille displays and text-to-speech tech to carry out this exacting work. Quoting Koh, the fact of the matter is, because people like us, we use our ears a lot, so for the blind, the chances of us damaging our ears are, are also there as well. It's quite scary, actually. Just imagine, if we lose our sense of hearing, Braille also comes in as a very crucial medium for us to communicate effectively. They toil at what is the country's sole Braille facility serving the community by transcribing text and diagrams of everything from school textbooks to Harry Potter novels into Braille. This is super freaking cool. I like that there is actually a facility um, to actually do this. I did not know this existed. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing noble work. And, you know, do read the whole story by mm -hmm. Carolyn Teo on Coconut Singapore. It's mm -hmm. really, really interesting stuff. So over in Yangon, a Myanmar bank faces boycott after freezing accounts to block donations to anti-coup forces. Oof. Uh, so Kanboza Bank's KBZ Pay e-payment app um, has actually seen its ratings plummet on the Android and Apple app stores, where users have expressed their anger in a flood of negative reviews after they lost access to their funds. Um, in a recent one-star review, it said, uninstalling with two exclamation marks. It used to be a very convenient money transfer app. Now it's freezing people's accounts and money for unsound reasons. 
we have solid proof and I suggest others to move to another platform now that is fully controlled by the military junta and locking people out of their accounts. Oof. One user who said that he had used the app to support the fight against the military, uh, he spoke on condition of anonymity, said that his mobile wallet was frozen and he called customer service and asked for an explanation that left him unsatisfied. Oof. And it's gone. Okay, fuck. Referencing South Park. And it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have $100. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Oh, my God. Okay, so not only was this guy's mobile wallet frozen, his bank account was also frozen, and he had around 180 million Myanmar kyet. That is around 109,200 USD in total. And he's still following up with the authorities to see what will happen to his money. Poor dude. So he said that he found out that a junta order was behind the move, but did not elaborate. And he added that someone from the bank warned him that the account owners could be detained and interrogated. What the hell? Damn. So attention to this issue was amplified by a 19-year-old pop singer um, by the name of John Derrick. Uh, so on Facebook, he said that, you know, if KBZ Pay obeys the dictator's orders and imposes arbitrary sanctions on behalf of the people, um, we should all also oppose KBZ Pay. And he urges KBZ Pay to pay, pay close attention to the current crisis and to protect the people as soon as possible. So such apps have been used to steer funds towards opposition forces, such as a growing paramilitary force aiming to fight against the military. So Kanbaza Bank has not responded publicly to the controversy. Yeah, this private commercial bank was founded in 1994 in Myanmar, Shan State, and it has over 40% market share in the personal finance sector. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this story, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like the hold the freaking junta has on everything is, I don't know, there just hasn't been any happy news. And it seems that, you know, the control seems to be increasing. Yeah, if you can't fund the opposition against them, mm-hmm. they will stay in power, huh? God it's that damn simple. it. Of course, every little effort counts, but I'm sure it might feel unsurmountable at times. Mm-hmm. And on to more happy news, Summer. I don't know if you read, but in Coconuts Manila, um, we wrote about how a pangolin was rescued in this um, kind of suburban village area. Mm-hmm. And for this week, we are going to talk to uh, one of the rescuers, who is also an environmentalist, Anna Verona, as well as their colleagues, Edward Lorenzo of, the, of Conservation International Philippines and Chief of the National Wildlife Rescue and Research Center, Dr. Glenn Magwad, on poaching of the uh, endangered mammal and um, the fate of this rescued pangolin. And our guest for this week, we are going to talk about a whole bunch of pangolins and the exotic pet trade in the Philippines. And we have environmentalist Anna Verona with us, Edward Lorenzo of the Conservation International Philippines, and the Chief of National Wildlife Rescue and Research Center, Dr. Glenn. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for coming on. Hi, thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you very much for your time. So... Shall we go around the room and could we have you introduce ourselves to um, the listeners from around the world? Anna, could we start with you? Oh, hi, everybody. I'm Anna Verona. I'm an I'm a underwater photographer and videographer. I've worked with UNDPWWF for the conservation of animals and also for the support to gather support for marine protected areas. Nice. Okay. And so- Edwin? Hi, hi, good afternoon, everyone. Edward Lorenzo. I'm uh, with Conservation International Philippines. I've, uh, I'm a lawyer. I've worked on, I've been working on environmental law and human rights law uh, since graduating from law school. Uh, I've been with different organizations uh, from from the province of Palawan, although uh, back to Metro Manila, focusing on uh, on environmental law and most recently for, uh, specializing in wildlife law. And Dr. Glenn. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm uh, Glenn Maguad. I'm a 
the veterinarian or chief of the National Wildlife Rescue Center here in the Philippines. So uh, we're the one uh, who's dealing with uh, rescued and wild uh, rescued wild animals uh, to release them back to the wild. Thank you. Nice. Okay, so you're all doing very important work for the pangolins. Could you tell us a little bit more about the discovery of this pangolin in this story that we've written? And yeah, what is what is going on here? Well, um, I was, uh, we were home and uh, it's late in the evening and then I started hearing my phone dinging. Apparently people were tagging me in a Facebook page um, in a thread where a guy posted a picture of an animal that he thought was a giant lizard. Okay, so it's in a village. I, we, we live in Ayala Labang village. We have about 5,400 um, households here. It's a, it's a village with like 20-something thousand trees. It's gated. It's a gated community. And mm -hmm. we have our own Facebook group page. And um, yeah, so somebody posted a picture of an animal that they said looks like a giant lizard. It was 11.52 p.m. And um, so when they, the, the residents saw it was a pangolin, they started um, tagging me because we had rescued the pangolin previously during 2018 here in the same village as well. Mm -hmm. So I was called by our um, officials to check what's going on because they, they, they know what happened last time. So when I took a look at it, yeah, it was a pangolin, very cute one. And it looked like it was, yeah, this, according to the guy who saw it, they, they said that it actually looked like it was crying. And, yeah, they, they had tears. I saw photos of it. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely precious. Um, it, have you given yes. it a name? Uh, yes, we, get, we call it Pandy. No. Pandy. So it, yeah, Glenn, Glenn just gave me a look. Because you have to give it a name. And I looked at him, huh? <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, he goes, but you have to give it a name. I'm like, uh, Pandy? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so, um, so right after that, I gave a call to um, Dong, to Edward, because uh, he was the one who helped me previously with the previous uh, rescue. Um, mm -hmm. Dong and I go ways back. We dive together. We check out sharks and stuff like that in our free time. And, and so I called him up and then immediately he called up Glenn because Glenn is the chief of the mm -hmm. NRMC, uh, NWRC. So um, during the time that he was making that call, I rushed to the office because I told him how to, how to keep the pangolin. I, was telling, I told him you have to keep him in a cool, well-ventilated and semi-dark place mm -hmm. so when i got there they did a good job because um it was a huge bucket that they placed it with the lid on it so it doesn't escape um but when i lifted the lid he was not even curled so he was like like just chilling there and then he looked up at me and you know like his one leg actually went up like trying to reach or something he was very curious so he oh. seemed fine yeah, I have a video I'd like to show you guys about. So you'll see, you'll see how it really went. And um, during the time, and Glenn called me. I've never met him. And Glenn called me, and then he was telling me that he would be arranging for the DNR Wildlife Ambulance to come over with him. And that was about, you know, the response was very quick between the time I called Edward and then the time when Glenn called. It was like just 10, 15 minutes. I'm so glad we were all awake at the time. <laughs> yeah. So back and forth, back and forth. Um, so Glenn said he was coming over with the ambulance and they got here at about 151, actually. I, mm -hmm. I, I have the records because I have the, the timestamps. And they checked out Pandy, they brought it out. And um, at first, of course, he was curled up and everything. But later on, after some prodding, they would like really gently tap on his tail, on his behind. And he unfurled. And then he was curious about the cell phone because I was taking a video oh. of him. <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, so he was curious about the cell phone. And then um, Doc Glenn took him back to, took him to the ambulance at about 2.15 a.m., and they were, they were, he was immediately sent to the center. So that's mm -hmm. how fast it went. 
<laughs> These guys are awesome. It went so fast. Yeah. Seems so, like there's a lot of fanfare over one, um, you know, admittedly adorable little creature. Mm-hmm. But why is it yes. like, you know, to us, the uninitiated, um, uh, to us common folk, why why is it that we should care about pangolins so much? And like, what role do they play in providing like a harmony in the ecosystem? Oh, pangolins are the set. You know, Prince William is actually an advocate of the pangolins. And he said something like this, like, um, even before we even get to know the pangolins, I believe that they're going to be wiped out in the earth from the planet if we don't do anything. Pangolins mm-hmm. are foragers, and then um, they so they like digging the topsoil, looking for looking for termites and for larvae and for ants, or, and um, that helps in keeping the ground cool. Mm. Because we do have a problem with acidification of the earth, right? So right. The, it, it, with, that, with that kind of activity that they do, it actually helps nutrients to um, rotate in the soil. It helps give oil, um, air to the soil, which needs that. So they, are, they have this, uh, they have this um, contribution to keeping the planet cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they do. The, the, the hard part is about pangolins is that since they're introverts and nocturnal, like Glenn, <laughs> it's so hard to study them because it's not very, and they really sneak around like ninjas. So and they're, they're quiet. Yeah, you're, an, so you're an enigma, apparently. Yeah, yeah, very enigmatic. And then they're, they're quiet. I mean, you know, the only time probably that you'll really sense them is when they fart. Because they're like an armadillo. <laughs> they're an armadillo. Um, I'm and loving this skunk. even more now. Up in one. <laughs> yeah, they're really adorable. So when I was like looking at him at the bin, they're like, don't you dare fart. <laughs> so I'm always getting that, you know, I'm always looking out because the first, um, the first pangolin that was retrieved and rescued here in the village mm. was... A big one and uh yeah he was he had like a little bit of mucus on his nose and he had fleas oh. already and um he was big but he didn't like he didn't fart on us but he was curled up more than pandy pandy was like curious and like you know checking out the phone and everything <laughs> so adorable so i wanted to bring him home <laughs> oh same <laughs> But Edward's gonna get mad at so. Oh yeah, I can feel it right now. We can't see each yeah. other, but I can feel like he's glaring at us right now. He's, he unmuted his mic. Holy <laughs> <laughs> so Lay it on the table, Edward. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's safe yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank God for online um, interviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, maybe you should ask him a lot of crowded questions so he could forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Cool. Hmm. In that case, have there been any developments in the story since our report? Oh. Uh- Right now, uh, all of the WRC staff are getting a headache finding termite mounds. Uh, I ordered them to make sure that there's enough food for the pangolin. Uh, they reported uh, they reported last time that the last mound that they put on the enclosure was destroyed. So meaning uh, Pandi ate so uh, all the pangol- uh, the termites. So I'm asking them uh, to gather more because I they would need at least ten thousand. Termites or ants Sorry, in a single they, day. There's actually a lot of <gasps> termites here. Yeah, yeah, they could yep. they could come over and get it. <laughs> Can Pandy come over to my house and take care of the termite problem here? Uh, but uh, pangolins are picky with termite. They eat a specific species, so oh, that's man. the that's the challenging part of it. Oh damn! It's like choosing grades of caviar. Is it like you know yeah. only specific brands, guys? Yeah, that's So maybe um um what is what is the end game here for Pandy? What is rehabilitation for him? Um, uh, you are putting him back. That, what 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 we do with pangolins is the moment we receive it, uh, we hasten the transaction. We need to ship it and release it back, back to the wild. That's that's the plan. No more rehabilitations as long as we uh, 
uh, examine the animal and it's fit and no no traumas, no uh, emergency cases, we release it because the challenge is the food. So uh, if if Pandi will be really uh, if Pandi will be uh, if we can bring back Pandi tom- uh, tomorrow to to Palawan, it will be one of the uh, best pangolins cases that I would be having because most of the time I'm very used to uh, with the mortalities and deaths of the pangolin. So yeah. that's why uh, I asked Mam Anna to name it because I don't name animals because I get attached to it and when it dies, it becomes yeah, traumatic. I was gonna ask, ask, it's just not good. I don't get attached to the pangolin. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's gonna live this time because yeah. the first pangolin that we retrieved from Ayala Labang actually died because he was waiting for a flight to get to Palawan. Oh, no. And it took like three weeks, Dibadong. It took about yeah. three weeks before it arrived at the airport. When it finally was at the airport, they saw that he was dead already in his carrier. Oh, and that's no. because of waiting. And um, they get so stressed out when they're not in their natural habitat. So I'm like super, like really working, really, really working to get somebody to accept um, Pandi to be repatriated to Palawan. And since then, I think Tuesday itself, we already got some messages. Diba Dong? Sorry, I keep calling Edward Dong. Uh, we, we kept on getting messages. We got messages of people offering to fly him over to Palawan. So right now, I think we're just waiting for the papers, diba, Doc Len? Yes, so we're just waiting for the permits and then we're going to release it as soon as possible. So, so we're talking days since you um, rescued it, from rescue to repatriation, so to speak. Yes, that's the that's the plan. Oh, and you are hopeful that this could be achieved. Yep, uh, because uh, uh, the shipping in the courier system is like very accommodating for us because uh, historically, what. Uh, when we bring animals or pangolins at the airport, so many questions. And then uh, yeah. most of the time, the plane changes. They they don't allow animals for mm-hmm. tra- transport. So we risked and then risked and then risked. So you have to be ready so, for that, even for pangolins, yeah. right? Yeah, it's so, a constant delay, series of delays that killed Pangoy, the first pangolin that was rescued here. Yeah. Not, apparently not all airplanes can transport live animals. So there are certain types of aircraft. Uh, and they have to schedule or they have to schedule these aircraft uh, flying to Palawan. And the last uh, incident that Doc Len was referring to was uh, they changed equipment, they changed aircraft. Uh, mm. And so they couldn't uh, load the pangolins on board. So this time around, we're coordinating with uh, the airlines. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll provide a plane that can that's to make sure that the South that are going to be providing a plane that can carry uh, live animals. No, right now, I think we're just waiting for the papers to come in. And as soon as the papers come in, we're, they're going to take um, Andy and whoever is the first flight out, I think. Either it's going to be with Air Swift, who is a courier service, or Cebu Pacific. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. either of the two. Yeah, I, I wish it was the same case with all the other pangolins that Glenn handled in the past because, yeah, the mortality rate is quite high because of the lack of transfer. Mm. Hmm. Yes. In that case, why are pangolins sought after in the Philippines? Like, are they popular as, you know, um, I'm Chinese, so I know we steal stuff from animals mm. to make medicine sometimes. Um, yeah. Are they popular as pets or medication or delicacies? What do you think? So, for, for the, the so pangolins, there are about eight species of pangolins in the world. Philippines has, mm-hmm. uh, the Philippine pangolins one of them, and they're only found in uh, the Palawan mainland. Uh, sorry, in the Palawan uh, island group. So, pangolins from the Philippines are being taken through supply as traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. Also, for uh, the meat, of course, it's pretty expensive. So, yeah, uh, people, the high rollers would come in uh, uh, from from some of the reports that we're getting sometimes from the casinos, uh, that they would be ordering pangolins too. It's uh, a way of showing off their wealth, uh, which is, typ- which is uh, pretty typical for, 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 for some mainlanders and from, from people from Hong Kong who would like to show off their wealth by, mm. by ordering endangered species because you know, they are expensive. Uh, so, yes, uh, it's traditionally like it's always... 
$300 per gram, right? <gasps> oh, wow. Is that the scale? Per kilogram. The yes, $300 per kilogram in the black market. Oh, my. For the beat. Yeah, the value the value changes of the go up the supply chain is going to get more expensive. So mm. it, 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 it's it's pretty lucrative, but of course it's hitting the popular the local species really badly. Uh, mm-hmm. They're actually the most trafficked mammal in the world right now. Oh wow! Um, what are the laws in the Philippines? You know, protecting wildlife, and even if there are any, like, are they, you know, properly enforced? Because you know, it, for a lot of countries laws on, on wildlife aren't really top of the authority's priority. Yeah, uh, for the Philippines, you do have a wildlife act, uh, but the penalties are are not too extreme unless uh, you kill, uh, unless uh, the wildlife is classified as critically endangered and you kill them. That's when the penalties will be shoot up. But for trading, transporting, like a pangolin uh, that's being transferred, uh, that's where uh, it was, let's say they found a person uh, from whose house this was taken from, uh, claims it. Uh, the the jail time for that will only be a maximum of uh, four years. So it's pretty low. Uh, penalties are up to 300,000 pesos. That's probably is going to be uh, 7,000 US dollars. So How it's, many uh, pangolins is that going to be, right? I mean, it's easy yeah. to just make up for it <laughs> just by yeah. selling them. It, it's uh, the returns are high, and uh, the returns are high. So even in uh, even even if you go several to a lot of countries, so Singapore has been very Singapore has been intercepting uh, tons of pangolin scales that are being transshipped from Africa. You guys are pretty strict with your with, with trying to enforce the wildlife laws. Uh, oh, yeah. There have been several interceptions in Singapore talking about tons of pangolin uh, scales coming in from Africa so to be transshipped through other parts of Asia. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah 2019, $38.7 million worth. Mm-hmm. <gasps> that is huge. Like, I'm trying to fathom, even fathom the idea of the number. That's crazy. And that's just the scales. I think Glenn was part of the 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 ship that was intercepted going to China. Mm. Yeah. Oh my! Like, uh, I, how many frozen pangolins was that? Uh, Forty plus. <gasps> uh, luckily, uh, not it's still bad, but luckily for the Philippines, it's Sunda pangolin. So we're uh, assuming it was from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Oh. So and, and they're they're all eviscerated, and they're ready for cooking. So. It's like just an uh, accidental seizure. So, but as of today, we don't know who is the culprit. So, the problem uh, with in, here in the Philippines, they try to rent drivers and haulers, mm-hmm. and then uh, so when they get caught, so the haulers even don't know the like the owner of the that mm-hmm. shipment that they're driving. So, they get uh, the the drivers will just go. Uh, Will not be uh, the convicted yes. because he doesn't know that, that what 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 species or animals are they shipping. So and then we don't know who the owner is. That's a problem. That's the their style, so they won't get caught. Mm. Oh no! So they are like kind of the scapegoats of this whole operation. Yeah. And yeah. you said most of the time the the holders, <laughs> if you interview them and interrogate them, they, they didn't even know what's on their cargo. That's a problem. I see. Oh my! And you said forty over pangolins. Yep. Oh no! Is this like um, the most horrible case of pangolin poaching? Poaching? Would you say? That I have seen. I have witnessed because it was mm. turned over to us. I see. So, yep. For I think it was sometime in uh, 2013, a, a Chinese ship ran aground in Tubatahar Reef. Uh, it's one of the Philippines national parks. And had several thousand uh, pangolins on board, mm-hmm. so that was that was also being transshipped through the country. Um, that would probably be the biggest seizure. But those were also, uh, I believe, those were also Sunda pangolins, right, Doc? Uh, Sunda. So, so they also, those were also Sunda pangolins. So mm-hmm. the Philippine pangolins uh, apprehensions have been uh, increasing the past several years. There's also a big part. A big part of it is also about people are trying to realize what it is. And from what you've seen from Anna's uh, community, 
people really got together and they started calling up people, started calling up the airlines, uh, friends of friends. So it, it's a big, uh, it's a big shift uh, in awareness. A lot of people don't even know that the Philippines has a pangolin uh, mm. species. Uh, was one of the eight. A lot of people don't know that up to now. I see. So the a largest lot of the... one, the largest um, known seizure was um, in Hong Kong. Yeah, in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, yeah, seven thousand three hundred kilograms of scales. It was declared as recycled plastics. <gasps> oh goodness! Yeah, so they saw that it was um, pangolin scales, and you know, approximately like over a million eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And, um, so a lot yeah, of uh, the driving force behind this poaching is a lot of it is to do with um, purported medicinal benefits, yeah. right? From the scales, I believe. Is that even true? No, um, they, they claim that uh, some of it helps with dementia, it helps with asthma, it helps <laughs> la- mothers produce more milk, helps with lactation, uh, every, anything and everything. Um, fortunately, it's one of those um, PCMs that are being derived from uh, from endangered species. So, so how um, would you go about con- convincing people not to consume it for those purposes then? Well, number one, it's a good thing that uh, China already uh, came out with the law to, mm. to or supposedly to, to, to bring, to cut down on the transport, to, to make the important of wildlife law stricter. Uh, but of course, uh, China and Vietnam are, and Vietnam are the biggest markets for pangolins. Uh, it's a, there's a big cultural aspect to it that uh, we just probably need to outgrow. But if you look at it, it's just the return on investment is uh, is pretty high. So countries like Singapore uh, going out, intercepting these shipments, uh, it, it makes a big dent. But we do need to consider uh, out of so many seizures, how many get through. So stricter law enforcement in Africa, uh, where the other species are from, uh, especially in the, also in Asia. Um, these are, the scales are easily transported. And they're not like the elephant tusks that you, that were pretty huge. It's kind of difficult to, we have to do more to conceal it. But once you transport the scales and sacks, it's, pretty, it's a lot easier to conceal. Mm. Uh, in, How big? In, oh, sorry. In Africa... They actually experimented with training big rats to mm. to smell at border at crossings uh, for for pangolins. What? It's cheap, and they and it's cheap. It's a cheap alternative to doing sniffing dogs. I, I didn't think that was possible. I'm like kind of shocked now. No, I'm imagining what? rats in leashes. Well, yeah, they, I'm do, thinking... they do train rats to look for landmines. Why not pangolins? That's really? interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. So for context, how big is a pangolin scale? Oh, uh, Glenn. Ah, uh, big by weight or by size? Um, uh, I guess both. Or like just an idea. I think by 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 size, as a little bit bigger. The biggest one, uh, the biggest scale, a little bit bigger as your fingers, a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. I think, <gasps> and then uh, I'm not sure about the weight. I think one pangolin would weigh. With the scales all removed, uh, at least uh, 50 to 100 grams. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure about the scale. So, and Pandi is one of the biggest yeah. pangolins I ever had. Yeah, <laughs> so, yep, it's already big. The average that we receive is about two kilos, and it's already uh, pregnant or breeding with that weight. So, Pandi is a very big. Oh, wow. Yeah, Pandy was big. He was. Oh, he's so cute. He is cute. So, um, if we find, uh, if we find ourselves in a Pandy-like situation, if we find a pangolin outside its habitat in, in my neighborhood, say, what should I do? Like, what is the step-by-step guide to have it, um, you know, returned to I'm so glad you asked that the question. Wild. I think Edward should be the one who will answer that question. <laughs> okay, no, because um, I'm really, really glad that you asked that question. <laughs> okay, for, I guess I will find it. one, but, you know, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you'd be surprised because sometimes in some city, in, in, in Palawan, uh, sometimes they would pop up in the city, in, like in Puerto Princesa, they would sometimes find pangolins uh, walking around there. 
So number one, if uh, if your if if your area is near the forest, just leave it be. But if you see that the pangolins in distress are about to cross the street, uh, which is which which probably can happen, uh, it, it is pretty easy to to catch them if they feel threatened. They roll themselves into a ball. If you if you can if you can secure it, that's why they're so easy to to, to track down. Um, poachers would use dogs to sniff them out. And they're very easy to catch. If they feel threatened, they just roll into a ball. And that's it. You can stuff them into a sack. So oh. number one, if, if if it's not in distress, if you live in a in a in a forested area, just leave it be. But if you think that it's in danger or if it's going to be run over or the neighbor's dogs might go after it, if you can try to secure it, secure it, um, keep it in a cool, vented, uh, well vented place, uh, away from loud noise, mm. and call Call your wildlife authorities. Call your environment authorities. Um, there, they would be always call government because it's government's mandate to protect wildlife. It's part of mm-hmm. all the mandate of all governments, be it Indonesia, the Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia. So they do have the people who are trained to do it. Um, uh, there are people who are trained to do it to care for the wildlife and uh, turn it over to them, and they'll probably be. Uh, rehabilitating them and uh, if they're injured and relocating them uh, to a safer area. Hmm. Okay, good to know. I will absolutely call Don't the government. Them pets, no matter how cute they are. Okay, damn it. Okay, for the penguins, I'll do it. If I see one at a Starbucks, I will call the government. <laughs> That's very tempting to keep, actually. Even they I are. <laughs> They really are. They're really so tempted to keep, especially when you see them, uh, when you pick them up and then they roll up. Like, it's so easy to cradle them. No, I would. I'll cuddle it, like, for five seconds before I call the government. Is that okay? (laughs) 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 I should take a couple of pictures before turning them over. Yeah, I gotta put it on the gram. (laughs) Yeah, but then curling up in your arms doesn't mean that they're actually appreciated, right? They are terrified. They are under stress. Oh, damn it. The moment they curl up, it's already a defensive mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Which is also their shortcoming, ironically. So that's why this was so. Oh, no. we, we were so we were so in awe when um when Pandy uncurled when unfurled there at the at the office when um when Glenn arrived, he unfurled oh, so and he was like, just like sniffing around and you know he was like sniffing the cell phone and people were able to take pictures with him. They didn't seem to mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such an attention hog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He wants to put it on his Instagram, on Pandy's Instagram. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, for example, Glenn, Doc, when, when, when Pandy is released, will he have a location tag or anything? Uh, I think uh, the Katala Foundation is trying to make efforts on tracking released pangolins. But as of today, I think there are no initiatives yet. They are planning to because they want to know the, how, lo- how far it will go its distribution range, its territory. So I think they're still planning on it, but no, there are no articles yet published. That no, there are, there's, awesome. they've, they've already tried uh, telemetry on some of the animals, yeah. but, they, but they need to be on site because they follow them around with the antennas. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really difficult, and uh, the risk is when they go underground, they're going to scrape off the telemetry, mm-hmm. the, the device. Uh, so, but it's pretty expensive. Uh, the PCSD has a releasing area in Palawan where they deploy camera traps sometimes to monitor to to see how they're doing. Okay. What is a telemetry? Uh, basically, there's a transmitter that they attach to the pangolin to see how far it forages. Uh, it's easier to use telemetries on birds because they are above the trees and flying and mm-hmm. everything. But with pangolins, they are way below the ground, so it's very hard for them to be detected by the satellites and antennas. So it's that it's a challenge for us in trying to know locations and uh, distribution. That's one of the problems. Ooh, That's what Greg did. Yeah. Oh, and in that case, what is the kind of tracking range that these devices can work? Is that like a set uh, parameter? I'm not sure about the uh, 
with this, uh, what do you call this, the antenna. It's just awful of uh, one kilometer, I think, or two. Mm. But okay. it depends because the, the pangolins are burrowing animals. So once they go to the foliage or underground, the, 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 it would be harder for them to sense them or to track them. Because mm. uh, it, there will be interference, I think. Oh, oh, that's that's good to know. I'm just thinking about, you know, like those house arrest bracelets that you have for the ankle, but oh. for a pangolin. Is, is that how they work? <laughs> Something like that, probably. But uh, on a, a, a wider range, I think, yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's good to that know. Because mm. I have this vision of like, you know, we're going to go to the sanctuary and um, Pandy will see either Glenn and I and then he will run to us like that lion that was rescued. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that would be so and nice. It's really hard. Uh, I, I tried releasing one of them. Uh, I went to Palawan with an pangolin, And then the funny thing is the locals there, our guides was just, I'm asking them where would we release this one? And they'll just tell you there, a couple of minutes uh, walk. And then after that, I realized I just trekked three mountains for four hours. And then, and then, and then I'm just asking, you You told me it was just a couple of minutes away. But we, with the, yeah, in the Philippines, with the province and locals, a couple of minutes would take three hours. They do so, that. Like it's, you say, like, it's just near. And it's like, 20, like you know, nine hills away. Yep. But uh, it's really tiring, but the, the moment you try to release them and they you saw them climbing trees or walking away from you, it's really priceless. So mm. I just mm -hmm. like talking to myself, uh, I telling myself, you did something good. So oh. something to be proud of. And it's good and for so, you, right? Yep, it's like a sense of pride in the job. So <sighs> that's why even though the hardships, uh, the moment you, you list them back and you saw them crawling away from uh, it's really for me. It's it's something to be proud of, and uh, like makes you more motivated to do your job. So, um, sorry, just to go back, you said earlier that pangolins are one of the most um, poached mammals. Um, are they endangered in the Philippines yeah. or or globally? Uh, it is considered internationally as an endangered species. They raised all, uh, if I'm not mistaken, all the species of pangolin to critically endangered. Because they are highly poached. So it's just a matter of time if the Sunda pangolin had been completely extinct because of the trade, where we are like it's a, a, a preemptive movement for us in the Philippines to uh, start uh, securing our pangolins because we're, we're, we're anticipating that when, when the Sunda pangolin has been complete, uh, completely uh, extinct, the market. Or the the demand will go to the Philippines. So, but with the with the international, uh, if you can see articles or read articles for the the volume of being poached of pangolins, it's really, really very high. You're gonna be alarmed. Mm. Talking about tons. Oh my. Tons. Yeah. We're not talking about hundreds. We're talking about tons. Like yeah, it says here um, in traffic.org, um, it says that 120 tons were actually. Um, confiscated by law enforcers. This is just the scales without the body. Oh. Okay, mm. 120 tons within five years. Yep. Oh my. A friend of mine uh, from Vietnam is doing pangolins and he's uh, telling me, he's telling me stories that locals eat it uh, like a normal food. That's the problem. Even though you exert effort, mm. even though there's a law, they think it's just normal eating it. So it's really challenging for them. Luckily for us, uh, we rarely encounter Filipinos who eat pangolins. So it's more on being poached for to sell to others rather than for personal consumption. Mm, so, I see, yeah. It does sound like a status symbol, you know, to buy, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's not that. Mm -hmm. It's like owning a tiger. When I own a tiger, I'm very rich. That's True. It. Yeah, and, and the Swarovski, yeah, the Swarovski collar around it, you know, just oh, an yeah. extra, a little something extra. <laughs> oh no, um, but yeah, in that case, since we've talked about pangolins, you said that it's one of the most poached animals in the world. What kind of other animals are at risk of being poached in the Philippines? Oh, <laughs> sharks. <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah, it's more on marine. I think it's more yeah, on marine. It's more... Uh, like we we got uh, 
uh, animals that being poached for local consumption consumption but for i think the marines the sharks the corals it's really yeah, but yeah. right the macaques macaques mm. the, the macaques yeah the macaques in the philippines are always and the hornbills mm. for yeah, pet trade but but they they don't use it for food it's more on pets yes for for pets and the white wing the white wing flying fox Yep. That, that so, one, those, those three I know the macaques, the hornbills, and the white wing flying fox. We saw those just somewhere in Iloilo. There was a reserve or something, and then they said that that those were always being um, captured and sold in the um, the wildlife trade, illegal wildlife trade abroad. Oh no! And and they're all uh, these three species are used mostly as pets. Just pets, ornamentals. So uh, basically, uh, for food consumption, uh, very little. It's more on, uh, like, I own a hornbill. So I own a red-vented kakatoo. It's very rare. So it's a status symbol. So I'll never understand caging something that's meant to fly. Yeah. Exotic. This for the exotic pet trade. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Even our birds are being shipped out, including our parrots. Yeah. Also, the dog dog, the kakatoo. But uh, there's also been even our monitor lizards are being yep, monitor out. lizards are really high in demand in Europe, Europe mm-hmm. and even in Japan. Uh, I was also some of our uh, snakes as well are being they uh, even the mm-hmm. I think at one point even the giant clam was being <laughs> oh what <laughs> yeah the giant clam the taklobo yes yeah we're at taklobo. Our it's giant ongoing. clams are beautiful. Yeah, it's ongoing. It's, our giant clams are beautiful. So they have like purple lips and with iridescent oh. green, neon green spots on it. Sometimes gold, <gasps> sometimes green. They're really beautiful. So, yeah. So I think that was also at one point being um, sent, poached and sent over to other places in, in the world. Wait, what? what are people doing with these clams? Giant sashimi? I don't know. What? <laughs> Oh, I'm guilty. Actually, I got to taste some of them when I was really young. They're quite good. Oh no! Oh, okay. Yes. Good to know. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't yes, endangered yeah. that time. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. It's okay. It's okay. It's what we do today. <laughs> Even the clamshells are are they're turning them into powder as additives for some PCM or for I don't know what the others are being used for, but they're being harvested. Even the shells. Uh, and they're being also shined as uh, for as ornaments. Um, same problem that we're also having with our marine turtles, and I think that's really oh, yeah, just happening turtles. across the world as well. I see. That's crazy. I don't know. We don't need that kind of pets inside our homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Whoever's keeping a giant clam, you're crazy. Go get a soft toy. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> can buy yeah. the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll buy you a soft toy. Just drop an address. Don't get. Don't disturb giant clams please. Oh man, we've learned so much um, on this, on this absolutely wonderful interview. Uh, But yeah, I think that's all the time we have this week. Thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with, with us. No, we're so glad to be um, sharing this with you guys because um, there should be really more awareness about why we should Hmm. protect the pangolins and how we can do that and why they're so delicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all the best for, for Pandy. We hope he yeah. gets home safely. Yes, can't uh, wait to see what we'll he gets to. We'll hit you up for further developments in the story. Yeah, well, I'm really looking, really, really looking forward for releasing Pandy because of all the penguins cases I have, I think this one would be a fairy tale for me. Mm. So, <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I said. Because, I said it's because the frustration is really building up every time I I receive a pangolin, even even the staff when I told them that we're gonna ship. Uh, Pandy. Most of my staff are complaining that they're going to be having fighting with the, the airlines and blah, 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 because they experience it all. And I told them that no, uh, the airlines is with us for this one. So <laughs> this is really frustrating for us. Like, if I receive sea turtles, injured ones, it's like, oh, we can we can manage it. But with pangolins, I think the rescue center stops. The work stops because it's really a challenge, a challenge for us. Mm. So Hoping we release it as soon as possible. No, we're looking forward to that too. Thank you. 
So yes, thank you guys so much for your time and take thank care. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope Cheers, it does give you a good update. Thanks for having here. us. It was thank wonderful. you for having us. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was such a fun chat. I learned so freaking much. And yeah, all the best to Pandy, who is the cutest little baby in the entire world. And I want nothing and no harm to come to you. Summer, please don't keep on as a pet. I'm really worried that you are going to be no, thinking okay. about it. I know. I thought about it for a second. But you know what? I'm going to do uh, Dr. Glenn and Edward Lorenzo and Anna Verona, right? And I will not do it. I will not cuddle with them. I promise. Um. It's it's kind of similar, but um, when I lived in the Middle East when I was little, Ooh. we had uh, we rescued um, what do you call them? The ones with a spiky spiky back? Hedgehogs, porcupines. Hedgehogs, yeah, porcupine. No, it was a porcupine. Mm. Um, we rescued one, and I thought it was cute. You know, it it like it it kind of liked to cuddle, although I didn't really like to cuddle it mm. because you know spiky um, oh, yeah. but yeah uh, if you think it's all fun and games wait until they just poop everywhere and <gasps> basically it was like rat poop in shape form and in smell and so yeah but we got in touch with like local authorities and um sent it sent it back out into the desert that's nice I imagine that's the same kind of thing you'll get with a pangolin. Oh, he's so freaking cute. But yeah. Oh, right. Do I not guess eat we... pangolins. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. There's so many other things you could eat that are not them. Look at their faces. Could you do it to them? No, you couldn't. And you shouldn't because I'll beat your ass. Best belief. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be right behind Summer. I'll bet. We're going to get matching knives and shit. <laughs> okay but that's all the time we have this week thanks for listening and bye see ya bye thanks for listening if you'd like to support coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories you can become a coco plus member at coconuts.co slash membership make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron or buy a fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by a journalist on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Summer Lee and Andrew Nasri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Rainer Lim. Coconuts.